0: created 126 square meters of soil but every cubic meter of soil requires 40 liters of water to be farmable. So I got to make a lot more water. Good thing is I know the recipe you take hydrogen, you add
1: oxygen, you burn.
0: Oh, yeah. I blew myself up.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Chuck Goes to the Movies, where we talk about different films or filmmakers that impact our lives or influence our love for movies. And this is it. We have reached the final episode of the 2020 year. And what a year it has been. I'm being rejoined by the person who has been with me from the very beginning. He was on the very first episode, and it only seemed fitting... That he come back and tie up 2020 with me. Welcome back to the show, Robert.
0: What's going on? No joke about this being what a year.
1: What a year. (laughs) You know, when we first gave this idea a shot and started creating it and bringing it to life, COVID wasn't even...
0: Yeah, it wasn't even a thing yet. I mean,
1: it, it was known, but it wasn't even a thought. Nope. Not here. We didn't start this show because we were looking for something to do in quarantine. We didn't start this show because 2020 was already being a really... I mean, some messed up things that already happened in 2020 at this point. But Yeah, there was fires
0: and uh, a couple of other things that yeah, happened. Yeah, Australia was that.
1: on fire. Uh, Kobe died. Yeah, Kobe uh, died. Uh, Sir, so, uh, like so, twenty twenty was already off to kind of a very rocky start. But we started this because we really just wanted to talk about movies, and the show has grown so much. And I'm thankful for everything that has happened um, this year. And I, I know that's kind of a crappy thing to say, but I mean, we got to try to look at the positives too. So much bad thing, so many bad things have happened in twenty twenty. But I'm going to consider this a great thing that happened in twenty twenty. And because COVID took off. The way it did, I mean, we saw a lot of creativity happening out there. You know, I'm not the only one who's launched a podcast. Several people have launched podcasts. People have been putting themselves out there. We've seen an uptick in creators on places like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, uh, podcasters, radio, everything like that. It has not stopped the creativity of the world. So I think that's a true testament to 2020 yeah definitely but uh here we are and we are going to wrap up the year with a really awesome movie in my opinion but before we dive into that are you ready for your final question of 2020
0: what's my final question of 2020
1: all right it's a it's going to be well what i hope to be an easy one so we have done several episodes together At this point, starting all the way back at the beginning with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and ending here now. Well, you can't use this episode in today's uh, question because we haven't exactly done it yet. But my question to you is, what is your favorite episode that you and I have completed so far?
0: Well, the first one was a lot of fun because neither of us knew what the heck we were doing.
1: <laughs> that We kind of
0: went into it and had fun and just started talking movies, which, I mean, that's what we do anyways. Half the time when we're on the phone, we start talking about a movie we watched or a mm-hmm. TV show we watched or something. So now that we're doing it, other people are actually listening to our conversations. It's kind of cool. So that one always will hold a special place. But my favorite one was probably just our movie talk, just our movie review about random movie stuff. I had a lot of fun with that
1: one. That was a good one. I really, I, I, I really did enjoy that format of the show where we could just kind of talk about anything and everything that came to mind. And as far as movie goes, I really like. I really do like that answer.
0: And but, but if you think about it though, we do that anyways. True. So,
1: like we'll start talking
0: about a movie, and then we'll go off on a tangent and talk about something else. And MCU always comes up, so we start talking about the MCU for about an hour, mm-hmm. <laughs> or Star Wars, or something else.
1: Well, you know, and th- that's what I think is beautiful about our conversations. Personally, we talk about the things that, as my tagline suggests, impacts our lives or influences our love of other movies, because we look at these movies and I can k- take something different from it than you and our listeners could have a different feeling right. about these movies. And that is the beautiful thing about art. And that's what I love about our conversations is that it does spark these creative flows where... We could be talking about a scene and something that happens in a scene, and then all of a sudden, bam, we're on Marvel. Bam, we're talking about Star Wars. Bam, we're talking about something completely different. And then we have to sit there and backpedal, like, what the heck were we talking about to begin with? That's what I love about our conversations, and that's what I well, love about all the, the conversations in all these episodes.
0: When we did the Armageddon episode, I think we talked for about an hour before we even talked about Armageddon.
1: I know. And I'm not going to apologize for that at all to our listeners because (laughs) uh, by now, you know what you're getting yourself into. We may talk about the movie. We may not talk about the movie. Uh, You know, Armageddon was the draw to get you in, and we probably spent 25% of the episode only talking about that particular movie. Yeah. So,
0: uh,
1: although I love that movie, it's a great movie, and it was a (laughs) great episode. Other things came up. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I like your answers to the movies. Uh, My answer is going to be kind of similar. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I always tell people, as cliche as it sounds, I want them to start with the very first episode that we ever did because, uh, like you said, you know, we put a lot of time into it, we put a lot of effort and a lot of love into that episode. We had no idea what we were doing, but it's probably the episode I'm most proud of because that was the launching point, and the show has grown so much from there and are we've gotten more comfortable we've gotten more relaxed and we've gotten more capable but I just love going back and thinking about all the time and effort and energy that went into that episode it's definitely uh one of my uh biggest achievements one of our biggest achievements uh when it comes to this show but uh and I do like that movie talk I really do enjoy that movie talk but one of my yeah that was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun but I'm I'm going to have to say one of my favorite talks is uh, the one we did recently was uh, Back to the Future.
0: Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun, too. That,
1: that was a blast. And we've had we've had a lot of good ones. I'm looking at the entire list right now. So we started with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We did True Lies. We did Ocean's Eleven, Armageddon, um, Demolition Man, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is the second most downloaded episode. Of all the ones... What's the first? The first one's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Makes sense. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is my second most downloaded episode. Uh, So there's something to be proud of right there. Um, Our movie talk, we did that. uh, Apollo 13 tucker and dale versus evil which is uh, another fun movie that we did and then uh, back to the we future did about 45 minutes of star wars i right? know <laughs> which anthony from porcelain peak if you're listening you still haven't told me what you thought of our star yeah, wars i was kind of wondering
0: too i, I listened to you podcast and he said he was gonna have some some thoughts on our star wars talk i'm kind of wondering what those thoughts were
1: anthony we had our talk all input. the way back on october uh, back in october so you owe me an answer buddy I'll be waiting, um, but you know, we've had done a lot of great things, and now we're wrapping up this first year talking uh, about a really great movie, and I'm looking forward to the movies we are going to be doing next year. So thank you for joining me on this journey, quite honestly. Yeah, I, couldn't done, for, I couldn't have done I couldn't have done this without you.
0: so I appreciate it. Well, I had a lot it. of fun. I never thought I'd ever be on a podcast.
1: <laughs> we need to get you your own Even podcast. was funny though.
0: Well, it's funny, though, because people at work, before you, we even started the podcast, kept telling me, you should talk about movies, because I'm, I'm the movie guy at work. Everybody has a movie question, they come to me, yeah. and we talk about it, or I tell them what's going on, or who's this actor, or who's this actress, or what movie was this when they did this thing? Oh, yeah, it's that. Yeah. So I'm the, the movie guy at work, or I'm just randomly spitting out different quotes, quotes <laughs> to different movies that nobody knows what the heck I'm talking about, especially because I work with the, some of the people I work with are like 23, 24, 25, so... The movies I know aren't the movies they know.
1: I know. I I've got I've got a very uh similar dynamic, except I'm the younger one on my team. So I talk about these newer movies and they're all staring at me like, what the heck are you talking about? But then they'll talk about the movies that they watch, and I'm just like, Ugh, there's so much there's so many more better movies out there. Come on. <laughs> uh Well,
0: there's a guy I work with, <laughs> and I don't mean to rag on him or anything, but uh, during the weekends, it could be slow, and at night shifts, it could be slow. So, I might bring some. I've got a huge collection of probably over a thousand movies just in like the jewel cases and everything. And so, I bring a series over or something and we'll watch it. And so, I brought the um, Indiana Jones series over. Oh, great. And we started watching it. And he said, We get to number four, and he goes, This one's probably my favorite one. And I looked at him and I was like, I don't think we can be friends <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is wrong with you that's your favorite one really number four uh, wow no 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 what's no. what's your no. favorite Indiana Jones movie mine uh yeah Last Crusade
0: always Last Crusade by far is my favorite for me it goes Last 3 Crus- 2 one growing up, yes no for me it goes 3-1-2-4 so growing up I love Temple of Doom as I got older not so much <laughs>
1: It's definitely but, dumb, but it's still good for a laugh.
0: Right, right. So mine will be three, one, two, four.
1: Okay. Last Crusade is definitely the greatest. I love the Last Crusade. I love the
0: dynamic with uh, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. And you know, he's only like, I think, seven years older than Harrison Ford. Wait, maybe not seven. Thirteen years older than Harrison Ford. Something like that. Not old enough to be his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However it was.
1: But it, it still worked. Yeah, oh, yeah, it did. Definitely still worked. Rest in peace, Sean Connery. Yes, rest in Super peace. 2020. Ugh. That's probably the most disappointing death of them all. Yeah. Oh well, I don't know, Alex Trebek. Nah, uh, there was a lot this year. There was a lot this
0: year. And crazy that it all just happened to happen in 2020.
1: I know. Or maybe we just maybe we just notice it more in 2020. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, maybe we're just surrounded by so much negativity, we're noticing the negativity a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question.
0: Well, well I remember the day that, that Kobe died. I just happened to be at a Spurs game that day. Oh, wow. Um, a friend called me and said, hey, uh, uh, she, she was taking her son to a Spurs game for his birthday and didn't really know how to navigate downtown and all that. Mm-hmm. So she said uh, she'll buy my ticket now if I wanted to go with her. I was like, OK, cool. So we get there and we get to the stadium. And the first like as soon as we walk in the door, my phone goes off because I get ESPN notifications. And it said Kobe died in a helicopter crash. And I just kind of stopped. I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy! Really? No way!" And sure enough, like they had there was TV, Some of the TVs were on Sports Center, and they were showing um, that Kobe had passed away. And uh, my friend, she, her, her son, was getting some Spurs gear out of the Spurs store. So I was just kind of standing outside with her daughter. And I just uh, there was uh, two Spurs officials just kind of standing there. I was overhearing them. They're like, "Should we do some like tribute before the game for Kobe?" Um, and they're like, yeah, we should do something. I mean, I don't know what to do, but we should do something. And so we get to the stadium before the game starts and they show Kobe's picture on the big jumbotron. And it says whatever day he was born to 2020. And you just hear this gasp in the, in the uh, arena. Cause I think there's a lot of people who didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. It was just crazy. I just happened to go to a, I haven't been to a game all year. Just happened to go to a Spurs game that day.
1: Damn it, Robert. You should have stayed home. <laughs>
0: uh it was it was surreal yeah i bet and then they had the yeah they uh so they they did the tip off and then i think they're where we playing i want to say the grizzlies or something but they did the tip off and the grizzlies held the ball for 24 seconds because that was kobe's number let the shot clock run out then the spurs did the same thing and then they started the game kind of like a tribute to kobe 24 seconds each team oh that's nice it's kind of cool yeah
1: but anyways, yeah, you know, not not, <laughs> not being a huge basketball <laughs> fan myself, I mean, yes, it was sad that Kobe died, but I mean, I don't, I wasn't as affected by it as a lot of other people were. But yeah, 2020 has been a hell of a year. I'm glad it's coming to a close. Uh, let's just hope 2021 has a, something a little bit more fun in store. But before we can get there, let's talk about the movie. That we are here to talk about. So you chose... Yeah, we haven't even mentioned it yet. I know. I've been been very strategic not to talk about it, even though everybody heard the little audio clip at the beginning of the movie. Uh, But uh, we're talking about The Martian, and this is such a wonderful, wonderful movie. I rewatched it again this morning before this recording because I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. Yeah, I watched it last night. And I just... I love this movie. This is one of those movies that once you start it, it is so hard to walk away from it or turn your eyes from it or anything like that. It's visually stunning. It's entertaining. It leaves you on the edge of your seat. And you just, even though you may know the outcome of it, you're still sitting there like, oh, boy, is this going to happen? Is he going to do it? Uh, You know, and how did how did he grow a potato? You know, so there's just a lot of wonderful things about this movie. And uh, this
0: is one of those movies for me that uh, if I'm trying to find a movie, like, say, I'm getting tired or I just want to throw in a movie just as background noise. This is one of the go to. I probably have a handful of movies I just put on and always be content. And this is one of those movies.
1: I can see that. I can see that. Definitely. Um, So some film facts about the movie before we really dive into all the fun stuff. It was released on October second, two thousand and fifteen, had an estimated budget of one hundred and eight million dollars, did fifty four point three million on its opening weekend for a total of two hundred and twenty eight point four million domestic gross and six hundred and thirty point two million worldwide gross. So this is a very successful movie. and I really feel like a lot of that success had to do with not just the story, because the story is very fascinating and kind of refreshing in a way when it comes to um, a more realistic approach to sci fi movies. But I, I feel like the names involved with this movie also helped drive the success of that. I mean, you, and we'll go into more detail on that here in a little bit, but you've got such a star studded cast. You have such an amazing director coming in and helming this thing. I mean, iconic. And all sorts of aspects. So a lot of these great things drove the success of the movie. And if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, I I loved actually seeing this. I think this is the first movie that has had this since we've started doing this podcast. That its score for critic ratings and its score for audience ratings is the exact same at 91%. And it's certified fresh. So this is a very well-received movie on both sides of that spectrum. And I actually have a couple screenshots that I'm going to read from that I wanted to uh, highlight during this critic read here. The very first one is from Richard Roper. You know, can't skip our guy Richard here. Skip Roper. He says, Damon is terrific. The movie lives and breathes on his performance, and he comes through in every scene. Very much true. I like that. A very simplistic approach to describing what this movie elicits in people and the driving force behind it. But I do want to highlight a negative review. Uh, This is from Dwight Brown, National Newspaper Publishers Association. He says... A half hour into The Martian, any seasoned moviegoer can figure out where the plot line in this feel-good movie has to go. That's a shame, and the film's biggest transgression. Hmm. Interesting. I, despite my love for this movie, can understand what he is trying to say here. Because yeah. you you... He's absolutely right. It all hinges on it's got to have that feel good ending. I mean, it's tragic in a lot of ways and but you just you just know how the movie's got to end. And then that's and you realize how it's got to end really early in the movie. It's just now you have to go on the journey to get there. And I can see how people can get hung up on that. Not once Watching the movie, I mean, when the first time you watched the movie, did you ever think that it could end in a bad way? Did you think that Matt Damon wasn't going to make it?
0: No, I never thought he wasn't going to make it. Exactly. I mean, no, yeah, you got to have a feel good at the end of being in this movie.
1: So, and I, so I can understand why that could be a drawback for people because you, you just you have to know that that's where it's going to go, and then once you realize what the ending is going to be, you may not enjoy the journey as much. Whereas they could have left it so ambiguous as to how it was going to end. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I was very torn in my feelings and emotions on that particular review, but uh, that's why I wanted to highlight it. Did you have any that you wanted to
0: highlight? Yeah, I got a a review. It says, uh, I have no idea if the science in The Martian is accurate. It sure felt accurate, which is all that matters in a way. On top of being wildly entertaining, this film was about using its wits to
1: overcome seemingly insurmountable odds i thought that was a good review that was a good review and um from what i've read the science is the science is there flawed in ways but the science is there these things are capable of happening given that certain technologies exist. So when I said earlier that this is one of those sci-fi movies that's a little bit more uh, I like a uh, grounded reality sci-fi movies which means these things actually could happen with the technology yeah. and stuff that we have today. Well, I mean there's parts of this movie where we well, don't have that technology yet. Right.
0: This movie's supposed to take place in
1: 2035. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about the future, so but you know, we as a society can reach that point. Definitely. It's not like uh, it's not like a sci-fi movie as in like Cloverfield or something like that where we are just really throwing all the rules out the window and stuff like that. But uh I really forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> wow. Um but uh the science, that's where I was going. Yeah. So the science is there. Science, yeah, yeah, the science the science is there um and the ability to create these uh, particular settings, these particular plot points and stuff like that can happen. Now, you can probably sit down and nitpick, and there have been people out there that have nitpicked certain things about this movie. It's like, well, that could have never happened. That could have never happened. That could have never happened. That's fine. Welcome to Hollywood. You got to take some liberties here. But in the end, from what I understand, they created a very... as close to scientifically accurate movie as you could possibly... Uh, uh, that you could get without losing right. the they're entertainment not just value. they're throwing
0: stuff out there. Exactly. Yeah, they're not just throwing random science stuff out there and oh, it's just a movie, who cares, you know? Yeah. Like, from what I understand, they actually did research they got with NASA to see what was plausible and what wasn't. I like when they do stuff like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, like, it's completely conceivable that you could grow a potato on Mars. Right. If the circumstances are good, and I guess if you have good poop. But... um. I do like that, at uh, all. So the science, yeah. I don't. I don't know how much of that science is accurate, but you know what? You just don't care. It's a good movie. Uh, any others? Any other reviews? No, that was the only one that I wrote down. Okay, cool, cool. Well, then let's talk about how this movie has impacted our lives or influenced our love for movies. Uh, I'll go first on this one. So no real impact on my life. I would have to say, except for, you know, it's a nice, entertaining movie to watch. But as far as it's influenced my love for uh, other movies, it continues to influence my love for sci-fi movies. Um, Again, more sci-fi movies that are grounded in that hyper-reality thing. And it also reminds me, continually reminds me, of why I have this fascination with space, but I don't actually want to go there. (laughs) <laughs> um,
0: I don't know if I do or not this
1: movie you know I was like pfft, if I get left behind I mean obviously I don't think I would ever be chosen to go on a mission to Mars because I'm not a smart botanist or chemist or anything like that I mean I'm just a, I'm a simple podcaster and I know how to drive a boat on the water so you know I just don't know if I would ever be selected for a mission like this but I just don't know if I could deal with being left behind it's the gravity thing all over again so like the movie Gravity, I love it so much, but I get like I have panic attacks watching that movie because I just don't want to get stuck out in space like that. So it's movies like this that continually remind me that be, space is awesome, but I will stay as far away from it as possible.
0: Right, and that, that's one thing I do love about this movie is I like movies. For some reason, I like stranded movies. I guess you could say where it's just. The actor acting by himself, yeah. Because to me, it like really shows how good of an actor you are. Like Tom Hanks in Castaway, or Sandra Bullock in Gravity, or any anything like that. I I, I like those kind of movies. And the difference with this one is, you have like in Castaway, pretty much that whole time that Tom Hanks is castaway, that's all you see. You don't see they don't go back to different parts. With this, you have Matt Damon Castaway on. Mars, but they also go back to NASA and see what they're trying to do. So there's there's many different different aspects to this movie instead of just Matt Damon
1: stuck on a on a Martian planet. Yes. And I and I feel like that helps that's drive what, the plot line a little bit more too. Right. So how has this movie yeah. impacted or influenced <laughs> your life? I don't know if it's really
0: impacted or influenced my life. I just it's just a fun movie to watch and every time I watch it I just I just love it even more and the uh, the I don't know. I'm trying to pick more words here. Um no, it's just a it's just a really fun movie to watch every time I watch it. Like I said, I've never gotten tired of it. Um, it's one of those movies I can just have on in the background or if I'm going to sleep, just I'll put it on and not go to sleep, I'll just watch the whole thing and then finally go to bed. Um <laughs> It's just it's just fun to watch every time I watch it.
1: I mean it it is such a great movie to watch. I don't think it's one of those movies I could just have it on in the background though. Like I said earlier, it's one I like once I start it, it's it's hard for me to like peel my eyes away from it or stop watching it. It's well, of what I'm saying, like I'm like it getting to in, watch it till the end.
0: Right. That's what I'm saying. Like I'll, I'll throw it on like if I'm getting tired and I'll go to bed. I'll just throw on the movie. Like I said, I'll, I will watch the whole thing and not go to bed and go to bed after the movies. Over. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha.
1: You know, another movie that did that to me, uh, to go on a slightly other little tangent, I watched A Few Good Men yesterday, and I literally turned movie. it on just to have something on in the background while I was doing something. Right. That was a dumb idea, because I didn't do the thing yeah. I wanted to do. I sat down and I watched that whole movie from beginning to end. It's such a fantastic movie. <sighs> I can't wait to There are
0: certain movies, like when I worked night shift at uh, work, I think we've talked about this before, but certain movies that they just for some reason play over and over and over and that's one of them so i've watched it so many times in the past couple years that one in saving private ryan is one that always comes on tombstone comes on a lot too yes um i mean movies i never get tired of anyway so i'm more than happy to watch
1: them of course uh, tombstone is one of those movies that if i'm flipping through channels and i see that it's on I, i don't care what point of the movie it's on i'm gonna go straight to that channel and i'm gonna watch it until the very end i love tombstone phenomenal movie. It's also a great movie. Uh well let's talk about the star-studded cast. And when I say star-studded, yeah, so when I was going It's crazy.
0: There's a lot of stars. Like when I was going through writing down everybody in this movie, how I usually just write down the movies they've done and we talk about other things they've been in and stuff, I I didn't do that cuz there's too many. Of them. There's too many and <laughs> I just wrote I, yeah, I basically wrote down what movies that was it. we would be spending an hour talking
1: about all the different exactly. movies they've been in but there is something fun about these cast members and we'll talk about that here in a moment but let's start with our star here you know you got Matt Damon playing the role of Mark Watney and uh, he did a fantastic job in this movie playing a botanist yeah. left behind on Mars fought uh, dead and he's had to survive insurmountable odds everything was working against him and he's as he says in the movie, he science the shit out of it, and he yep. he lived, and uh, using his brain and using his knowledge of other missions that have happened to Mars and stuff like that, he was able to piece together uh, ways to communicate with NASA again, ensure his survival, get the message out there, and stuff like that. So, and Matt Damon is very believable in this role, and it's such a fun time to watch him. Uh, this is probably my. One of my favorite roles of his ever. Oh yeah, mine too. Uh, just absolutely. I thought he did a really good. Job. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, you've got Jessica Chastain in this movie, um, playing uh, Commander Lewis of the crew that ends up leaving him behind. So this is a six man uh, crew to Mars, and she is the uh, commander. I love the little connection here between Matt and Jessica because this is the second space movie they've been in together. Although in the first yeah, one they didn't interesting... share, yeah, they didn't share any screen time in the first one. No. But uh they were both an interstellar. That game was kind of
0: was kind of a dick in interstellar.
1: <laughs> he was trying to ensure his survival. He was just being selfish. I get that. <laughs> I'm I not know. trying to justify it, but you know, that was his character. He tried to kill Matthew McConaughey. Well, who hasn't tried to kill Matthew McConaughey at some point in their I don't know. <laughs> uh <laughs> All right, all right, all right. We got Kristen Wiig playing Annie, who's with a PR rep for NASA. Uh, not my favorite role of hers. I'm not an overly huge Kristen Wiig fan to begin well, with.
0: you don't really see her in many dramas at all. It's
1: always comedies that you see her in. Yeah, and I don't know. I, so I didn't think she did a bad job. I don't think she did a I bad mean, job, but she's not exactly standout either, you know? I don't think that was
0: a role to be standout, though. With all the other roles and actors in this movie, I think that was just kind of a from a fill-in, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I can see yeah, that. You, you, needed, you
1: needed a PR person because of everything that's going and, on. Oh, look, Kristen Wiig's available. Okay, cool. Um, right. I think she's going to have a true standout role in the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984.
0: So Apparently she plays a villain, right? Yeah,
1: so it's going to be uh, very interesting. And they're going to be, be, be releasing cool. it on HBO Max and 4K on Christmas I Day. So that. that's what yeah. I'll be watching. Um, yeah, we got Jeff Daniels in it. Jeff the iconic Daniels. I don't like oh, him in this James. movie, like, really. No, at all. Explain yourself. Okay, I really feel like his performance fell flat. I really felt like he wasn't, I honestly thought that too. He wasn't giving his normal Jeff Daniels self, and maybe that was on purpose. I do not know. But it, may, it kind of like the whole Kristen Wig, you know, kind of being that secondary character type thing. And maybe he wasn't giving it his all because he didn't want to overshadow what was happening with the other actors or stuff. Like, he's not the, he's an important part of this movie, but he's not a central character. And if you uh, don't want to take away that spotlight, but I just really I couldn't connect. With, like I felt like anybody could have played this character. Anybody.
0: I, I, I know what you're meaning by he fell flat in this role, but I, I think that's what the character called for. Maybe I think that's the character's personality.
1: But I, for to me, like anytime you see a movie where you know you've got these dramatic stakes happening, and so you know he's in this power, he's the NASA director. Um, uh, sure, you know he's got to play the politics game. You can definitely feel that in his performance, his uh, political savvy. You know the way he uh, responds to people and talks to people and whatnot. But I really felt like he there was not a lot of emotion. You're talking about leaving a man on Mars, and how do you get him home? And he, like, had no emotion over it. Zero. Everybody else had emotion over it, but he's just like, okay, okay, tell me how you do this. All right, I know it takes nine months to do this, but you're going to do it in three. And, uh, oh, I expect your resignation on my desk at the end of this. Like, show some emotion i i don't know i don't know (laughs) if i were the nasa director i'd probably be i'd probably be like you know i'd be uh um ed harris in apollo 13 when he's finally losing his you know losing losing his cool with everybody and he's finally raising a voice and slamming his hand down
0: on the table but but not not everybody has that same personality though and i think that's that was that character's personality is what jeff daniel's portrayed i just knocked over kylo ren sorry kylo
1: um that's fine. It's fine, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I again, just not one of my favorite Jeff Daniels performances, and he's such a terrific actor, and he's been a lot of great things. Uh, I, I, I kind of, I guess, I just expected more in this role, and maybe I, I just felt a little disappointed at the end. But that's just me. Somebody well, else might that... just think, oh man, this is the greatest performance he's ever done. And if you think oh, that, please think let me know, know because you and I need to talk. I
0: just. Yeah, I don't think so at all, but I do think that that's he was playing the character as the character was supposed to be portrayed.
1: Yeah, emotionally. Yeah. Maybe, maybe so. I don't know. Maybe he was told by Ridley Scott, "Hey, I want you to be as stoic as possible and if you even show 1 ounce of emotion, you're fired." I don't know. <laughs> then you got Michael Peña playing the character of Rick Martinez. He's the he's a smart guy. In all the movies you've seen Michael yeah. Peña in, when has he ever played a character like this? Never.
0: He's actually uh in the rankings I saw in the rankings of uh from the commander Lewis down, he's actually second in command.
1: Yeah, because they are the they talk about it in the movie. They're the only two military people right on that mission.
0: I think it was uh it was it was Lewis, Martinez, um Vogel, mm-hmm. uh then Johansson and then Watney. That was the the Becking order. Oh wait, 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 Beck. and whoever Sebastian stand Beck. Beck, So it was yeah, Lewis, Martinez, Vogel, Beck, Johansson, Watney.
1: Yeah. But you know he was he's such a great. I really <laughs> as how great would it have been if all of a sudden he just like looks at the camera and he starts telling the events of the Martian the way he did in um. Ant-Man. <laughs> ant-man
0: that would have been perfect oh my gosh that would have been so awesome uh,
1: that was, that's all i think of when i see him now like i don't care yeah. what movie he's in i just see him in his character as an ant-man and it's absolutely wonderful um
0: for some reason i used to not like him i don't know it's just his earlier roles or what but there's something about him i didn't like him and so when i saw that he was cast in ant-man i was like uh but then he was hilarious in that movie.
1: Okay, I have to say, you know, I'm, I think everybody had their reservations about the movie Ant-Man. I mean, you had Paul Rudd being cast in the title yeah, character. I, like, you okay. had Michael Pena yeah. in it. Um, Evangeline Lilly. You're just like, it was such an odd cast, but everything worked together. It was... Uh, Ant-Man is actually one of my one of my favorites of the MCU. Films. Oh yeah, it's I one love of the it. Well, it's a great yeah. com- uh, I rank it right up there in the comedy area with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's that necessary comedy that you need and all the players work well together. Uh even TI. I mean, come on. TI, rapper yeah. TI was great and the dynamic between all of them is just perfect. So Michael Peña has definitely come, has come a long way.
0: The it is crazy the Caliber of actors that the MCU has been able to pull off. Well when you get Michael Douglas in a superhero movie.
1: Right. And we will and t- when you get uh Anthony Hopkins in a superhero movie, you know? Yeah, that was that was great casting and it that just shows you the power that these movies have, not just culturally, but for everybody involved. I mean we have seen I many
0: I, re- I rewatched watched uh, Winter Soldier this morning. Robert Refford's in that.
1: Yeah. That's like, crazy. How do you get Robert Refford into not just one movie, but two of them? Because he had to reprise his yeah. role in Endgame. Yep, in Endgame. Yep. It, it, just like, uh, how, how do you get these caliber of actors to do it? Well, that's the draw. These... They're drawn to these roles. How do you get Glenn Close to be in Guardians of the Galaxy? No, it,
0: Guardians of the Galaxy for like two minutes of the movie. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's just like it's absolutely phenomenal that they're able to do this. But that's the power of the MCU, and I don't see that power dying yeah. anytime soon. Oh no, uh, Phase Four. Phase Four. A little nervous about Phase Four, but we'll <laughs> we'll get yeah, there. Just... Uh, the next one is Sean Bean as um, NASA flight director. He's the mission uh, mission. Uh, uh. Mission Control flight director. Uh, Mitch Henderson. Mitch Henderson. I love his role in this movie. I think Sean Bean does a great job in here. And I also love a very particular scene. We'll talk about that here in a little while. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> I, I, I had forgotten about it. And then when I did the rewatch and we got to that scene, I just started cracking up perfectly. And I think yeah. he wanted to start laughing, too. He was smirking during the scene. He was smirking. Um, You got Kate Mara in the role of Beth Johansson. Kate Mara is one of those actresses. I just kind of—you can either take her or you can leave her. She's never done anything that's absolutely uh, wowed me. She's just here and there, yeah, throughout Hollywood. I think her—I uh, think her sister Rooney Mara is a little bit more famous. Um, well, you know that she's uh from the the Mara family that owned the um,
0: New York Giants. Yeah, her grandfather was the founder of the New York Giants. Yeah,
1: I remember reading that. Uh, you got Sebastian Stan in the role of Chris Beck. Uh, Sebastian Stan, uh, better known for his role as Winter Soldier, Bucky. Yep. Uh, you got as- Bucky Buchanan. Uh I'm going to screw up this guy's name. Axel. I don't know. Henny. Axel. Oh no! I thought you were talking about. Oh no! 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 Trust me, I haven't well. gotten to him yet. Axel <laughs> Henny. <laughs> Axel Henny. I think that's how you say it. Uh, plays A- uh, Alex Vogel. He's the chemist who creates the bomb on board. Then you got uh blah, 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 blah. Vincent Kapoor. I honestly yeah, don't exactly. know how to say this guy's name.
0: Chiwetel OE four? Yeah.
1: I'm really sorry. Chi-Weddle, I'm really O-E-4. sorry, listeners. If anybody knows how to say I've his name. I've never actually heard,
0: right, I've never actually heard like TV or anybody pronounce his name before, so I oh. really have no clue. But he plays but the very, like <laughs> Yeah, Whittle. oe
1: um, He plays the very important role of uh, Vincent Kapoor. He is kind of like the mastermind behind the Ares program, uh, which is the uh, missions that are being sent to Mars. Uh, you've got Benedict Wong, who plays Bruce over at the Jet Propulsion Laboratories. Uh, he uh, is part of the team trying to get Mark uh, home. You got Mackenzie Davis playing Mindy Park. She's the one who sits there in Mission Control, and she's uh, monitoring satellite communications. Uh, before this, I had no idea who Mackenzie Davis was. I know she was in that new Terminator movie, that awful well, Terminator movie. She was in movie. that Halt
0: and Catch Fire show, which I heard was really good. I just never watched it. It was on A&E. Yeah. It was about the same time that uh, that Walking Dead had just started. And oh, no, I never saw that.
1: And uh, the last person I, r- I have written down is he can't go without any type of mention here. Donald Glover playing the role of Rich Purnell, the caffeine fueled guy who comes up with the final plan to rescue Mark Watney from Mars. Did yeah. you have anybody else written down? Nope, I ended with Donald Glover. Perfect. What is the big connection with a majority of this cast? The same thing we talk about in every podcast. The MCU. MCU. Almost everybody that we've mentioned so far has either appeared briefly in a Marvel movie or been a star in a Marvel movie. So we got Matt Damon, who Who has... has... Matt Damon. (laughs) Matt Damon. (laughs) He, He Redneck number two. Wasn't
0: it? Matt Damon was... No, Matt Damon was, uh, Oh, I played Loki. I forgot, he was actually in
1: two Marvel yeah. movies. So he was in the MCU as Loki in Ragnarok, but he was also in right. Deadpool 2 as Redneck number 2.
0: Well, see, you can't really count Deadpool. I know that's he, not, that's MCU, not of MCU, but that's yes. why I said they've either been yes. in the MCU, be MCU or been
1: in Marvel. Okay. Because Jessica yeah, Chastain yeah, hasn't been be in, in the, in the MCU, Jessica but Chastain she's been was in Marvel. In, she's... The X Men Dark Phoenix movie, exactly. Uh, Kristen Wigg hasn't been in a Marvel movie, but she's about to make her DC appearance. Uh, Michael Pena Ant Man, Michael Pena Ant Man. Kate Mara was, in, was in a in Marvel Tell movie, Nancy. Fantastic Four, the remake, awful. And she was also briefly in Iron Man 2. Yes, I forgot she played about the Security that. Security agent, so she was in the MCU. You got Sebastian yep. Stan, who's probably the most recognizable MCU actor uh, in this list. Soldier. Winter Soldier. Uh, he plays Winter Soldier and been in all those movies. Uh, you've got uh, Chiwetel Um He was in <laughs> Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange. <laughs> and also was Benedict uh, Benedict Wong was also in Doctor Strange and yeah. uh, End Game. Benedict Wong played Wong. Yes. Uh, not just in game, he was also in, in uh, Infinity War. Infinity War and in game. Yeah, uh, Donald Glover was in Spider Man Homecoming. Going. Yep. So a lot of these actors have have that that's really I'm saying, awesome. The MCU
0: so big and broad. And, the you, MCU they has taken over Hollywood. They, they have. They just get whoever they want. And the fact that Matt Damon has such a small part in Ragnarok, you know? But but it's memorable. Funny. Yeah. It's memorable. Like, the first time I'm watching, I'm like, is is that Matt Damon playing Loki?
1: <laughs> I didn't I didn't catch it at first. Honestly, it wasn't until after the movie that I realized it was Matt Damon. Well,
0: I saw it at the theater. I had to look it up later to see if that really was yeah. him. Because I was like, no way that's Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Just for like, it was literally like not even a 30-second part.
1: Yeah. But it was so hilarious. Uh, and then let's talk real quick about the director, Ridley Scott. You know, again what an iconic director. His very, uh, all the way back to 1979, Alien. Such a fantastic movie. Uh, he's done a lot of great movies. Alien, Blade Runner, uh, Legend, uh, Thelma and Louise. And then he had a wonderful little run there in the late 90s. White Squall in 96, G.I. Jane in 97, uh, and then Gladiator in 2000. Uh, Black Hawk
0: Down. Black Hawk
1: Down, Hannibal, uh, Matchstick Men, Kingdom of Heaven, uh, American Gangster, Body of Lies, the really weird Robin Hood remake with Russell Crowe, Prometheus, which I know a lot of people don't like Prometheus. I actually do. I think it's a great movie.
0: I need to rewatch it. I watched it once and I didn't like it, Um, and I've never watched it
1: again. Exodus, Gods and Kings, The Martian, and then Alien Covenant. That's an awful movie. Yeah, (laughs) that's I tried watching it again, like about a month ago, and I turned it off halfway through. I was like, I can't do this. I can't. Uh, But Ridley Scott, such an amazing director um, behind so many things. His brother, Tony Scott, uh, also was a fantastic director. It's a shame Tony Scott's no longer with us. And it's going to be interesting seeing a new Top Gun movie without the Tony Scott treatment. Yeah, so. Anything else that we want to talk about when it comes to this cast or crew? I think I'm good. Perfect. So out of all those people, who would you say is your favorite actor or actress or both throughout the whole film and why?
0: I'm, I'm just going to have to go with Matt Damon.
1: I, I think that's just the most obvious choice.
0: He, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, not just the obvious, but he was the best. He was. Um, Like I said, when, when you, when you have to play a role, When you don't have anybody to act around and you're just acting by yourself, that's when you see how good of an actor an actor is, you know, it is hard. And And I thought he I I know. Yeah. And I thought he did a great job with it.
1: I mean, I've obviously never started a movie, let alone started a movie by myself, but I have done some voiceover work for another podcast and stuff like that. And it's hard when you don't have anything to feed off of. So when I was recording my lines, all I have is a script in front of me. I don't have other actors around me. I'm not doing this live with other people. I'm literally having to guess what my, or, you know, through the context of the script and stuff like that, what my emotions are, where I need to be and stuff like that. And that's hard to do on your own and you don't have anybody to play off of. So when actors like Matt Damon... Tom Hanks, um, these people who do these uh, solo stranded movies, uh, Sandra Bullock, they're out there and they're doing these things. More power to you. Seriously. Like, there's a reason Sandra Bullock... oh, She didn't win the Oscar, but she got nominated for it. But I mean, you know, these are great acting opportunities. And if you can nail it like these people did, that's awesome. And they... Matt Damon did a fantastic job. I do want to offer up, though, a secondary choice. Even though Matt Damon is that obvious person. I liked Jessica Chastain in this film.
0: Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to say that. I do too.
1: I I saw her struggle the whole time she is sitting there and she's beating herself up because she believes that she let one of her crew members die. And then when she finds out he's alive, then she's got that internal struggle, that guilt, that now she's... I, I can only imagine. There, it's one thing to think that maybe you left a dead body behind. Someone died on your watch. So a member of your crew is no longer with you. Over a circumstance you had no control of, but still, that's got to eat away with you. But now, here you find out he's alive, on Mars... And at the time, there is nothing you can do about that. That has got to eat you alive. And you see that emotion come through in her performance. And I just, I love the way she handles it. And I really honestly don't think anybody else could have handled it as great as Jessica Chastain did. Yeah. So she's a no, terrific agree. actress. Um, Minus <laughs> Stark Phoenix. I got the... <laughs> that was yeah, awful. That was <laughs> yeah. Man,
0: I had so much hope for the new cast of
1: X-Men. They had so much potential to make it such a great film. It, it, it was X3 all over again. It fell flat. And no, 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 no. Yeah. X3 fell flat. Dark then. Phoenix just fell and continued to fall. <laughs> I don't think it ever hit rock bottom. There, uh, It just kept going. It's like when you think it couldn't get any lower. It, uh, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, you know Jennifer Lawrence and her role being killed off in that movie. I think she read the script and she's like, "Oh no, I don't want to be a part of this mess. Please kill me off." Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense why Mystique would have been killed off. Quite honestly, but no, yeah. Uh, anyway, and see that's what I. Oh we we can go into that later. We can again. go into that later. That. <laughs> uh
0: let, I was about to go off on a little tangent, but I'll, I'll I'll save it.
1: Well, let's let's save that for like a movie talk or something like that. Um so top scenes or sequences in uh this film, I'll let you uh name off your first.
0: Well, one of mine is uh the whole sequence of him trying to grow potatoes and trying to build the um gets the water generator and ends up blowing himself
1: up. Oh, that nah, I list that as my <laughs> number two. I love that whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's and then I, I also. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was just saying that was funny. Oh,
0: and I also like the ending when uh, he does his his Iron Man and has to.
1: Did you read my fly out. Did you read my notes or something like that? That's literally listed as what my, my number three. That, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. What's your number one then? Project Elrond. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I should have known that. <laughs> oh my. So talk about Project Elrond. Uh, so I love Project Elrond. So Project Elrond is perhaps my favorite scene. And the only reason because of that is because Sean Bean is in this. Um, well, of course, yeah. Yeah, in the in the room when this is happening, and he was in Lord of the Rings, and uh he refers so Kristen Wiig's character doesn't know what Elrond means. She's like, Project Elrond, what's that? And Donald Glover's like, well, I had to name it something, so that's what I threw on that. She's like, I still don't get it. And Sean Bean's like, it's in reference to a secret meeting, kind of like what they were doing right then and there and then they start geeking out explaining about the whole Lord of the Rings thing, about how they were all meeting to decide what to do with the one ring and you can just see the look on Sean Bean's face. He's slightly smirking and I think he's enjoying every moment of it because of the fact that he was in those Lord of the Rings movies in real life. So And he, and he was actually on the council at that secret meeting. Yeah, so it's I, 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 that whole sequence is just funny to me and then follow that up with immediately Donald Glover going into his whole uh reenactment of how the spaceship is going to work and what they need to do to get back to mars and stuff like that i just that that sequence in a moment it was a moment of humor in a situation that hadn't seen a lot of humor so when we're cutting back and forth between these scenes that's happening on mars happening on the uh, space station hermes happening at nasa there's not a lot of humor at nasa they're all sitting there struggling trying right. to figure out what they need to do to get mark and the crew and home I think, safely and
0: i think that's that's jeff daniel's character again because everybody's freaking out trying to figure out what to do somebody has to have
1: the, the calm head. head
0: yes and be the voice of reason and that was jeff daniel's character and that's how he played it
1: okay all right that you know what that's a great argument honestly and now that I think about it, I, yeah, someone's got to be there, that there's grounded a, there's a character. Scene,
0: there's a scene when, uh, right, exactly, you have to have that grounded character there. Otherwise, shit's just going to hit the fan, pretty mm-hmm. much. Good, no, good. Nobody's going to know what to do. Everybody's just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. So, you have that scene where, um, the Chinese NASA, I don't know what they're called, but the Chinese NASA, um, yeah. calls Jeff Daniels and says, well, you could use the, our, our boosters to, take the supplies up there and he hangs up the phone he goes yes like he was so happy that he's getting help and that was the first emotion you would see out of him the whole movie but during that scene there was nobody else there he was by himself so when he's with everybody else he has to be the level-headed person when he's by himself of course he's going to show a little emotion
1: that's an excellent point you do it. You do it. Every freaking episode, you manage to take an idea that I have or an opinion I have and you turn it around. So, alright, I'm not going to be as harsh on Jeff Daniels' character <laughs> or portrayal of said character moving forward because that makes a ton of sense. In front of people, he's got to be one way, but in the privacy of his office with nobody around, he can kind of let his guard down a little bit. I've never directed the national space right, yeah. you know. Agency, or I know that's not what it is. I've never directed NASA, so I can't imagine the toll that really takes and the the de- sense of decorum you've got to have uh, in undertaking such a role. So yeah, his moment of we won't call it weakness. His moment of humanity happens when nobody's looking because he doesn't yeah. want he doesn't want people to see that. Okay, all right, I'll take it. Bam. Boom. This is how we do, guys. All right. Let's move on to quotable lines. There's a lot of great one-liners throughout this whole film. There are. I, I had a hard time choosing which ones I was going to highlight. Uh, why don't you uh, go ahead and name off one first?
0: Uh, well, kind of towards after um, they left him, and I don't know if it's like a quotable line, but it, it kind of he just kind of goes through when he sits down at the camera for the first time and basically says, uh, he says, if the indoctrinator breaks, I'll suffocate. If the water reclaimer breaks down, I'll die of thirst. If the lab breaches, I'll just kind of implode. <laughs> if none of those things happen, I'll eventually run out of food and starve to death. So, yeah. That's basically his first reaction to being left there.
1: I mean, it's the calmest reaction that's calmer than my reaction and, and,
0: and right oh yeah of course well i mean i'm sure he had had a couple of hours by the time he sat down but still i mean that's one of many things that could go wrong and like you said if nothing goes wrong i'm just gonna eventually run out of food and starve to death
1: indeed and that's when he started doing the potatoes <laughs> Gotta love the potatoes uh I think one of my favorite, aside from just the small one-liners, which I'll list all my little one-liners here in a moment, I love the one where he talks about um, the laws of international waters. So, yeah, I have that written (laughs) down. I've been thinking about. I was going to start with that one too, but I started with the other one. uh, It's just it's funny. It's but you know from what I understand, it's absolutely true. I've been thinking about laws on Mars. There's an international treaty saying that no country can lay claim to anything that is not on Earth. By another treaty, if you're not in any country's territory, maritime law applies. So Mars is international waters. Now, NASA is an American non-military organization, and it owns the HAB. But the second I walk outside, I'm in international waters. So here's the cool part. I'm about to leave for the Sherpa Cry- put- let- 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 Crater. Uh, I'm not even going to try to butcher that name. Uh, The crater, where I'm going to commandeer the Ares IV lander. Nobody explicitly gave me permission to do this, and they can't until I'm on board the Ares IV. So I'm going to be taking a craft over in international waters without permission, which by definition makes me a pirate. Captain Blondebeard. Mark Watney. Space pirate. (laughs) Captain Blondebeard.
0: Captain... Well, he's asked us to start calling him Captain Blombeard.
1: Well, it, technically, it is that not. Oh, I know. He explained it to <laughs> oh, us. Oh, yeah. He told us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that, I, I love that whole space pirate uh, idea. And um, just about as funny as his Iron Man line. Yeah. He got to be Which space pirate and records. Iron Man. Uh, I also like, uh, I don't want to come off as arrogant here, but I'm the greatest botanist on this planet. <laughs>
0: But luckily, in the history of humanity, nothing bad has ever happened from lighting hydrogen on fire.
1: <laughs> At least has got a sense of humor in the face of uh, everything. Yeah. Um, or like in his uh, very first recording when he gets back into the hab. Hi, I'm Mark Watney, and I'm still alive. Obviously. might
0: come-to-shot to everybody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, alright, so as much as I was sitting there hating on uh, Jeff Daniels and uh, his performance up until recently, thank you for turning my mind on that one, he did have a fun little line during the same scene about Project Elrond. If we're going to have a secret project called Elrond, then I want my code name to be Glorfindel.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then of course
1: looks at everybody, I hate all of y'all. <laughs> um, and then he what was the other one? Oh, and tell Commander Lewis, Disco Sucks. So I got thoughts on that, too. Okay, go ahead.
0: Is she the only person that thought to bring music? Seriously. One person brought music, and it's all disco. Okay, that's what she likes, but nobody else brought any other type of music at all.
1: I kind of thought about this, too, a little bit. I, But then I just chalked it up to, you know... I mean, it's a funny thing in the movie, and you wouldn't yeah. have it if
0: everybody else brought their music too, but I'm definitely bringing my music if I go to Mars.
1: Heck yeah, you know, every, every everything, I mean, it would all be on a little USB drive or something like that, I'm sure, but... Right, exactly. The thing that got me was, as he was going through, um, he was going through her computer and stuff like that, and I was like, how did... Don't these people lock their stuff? Like, passwords, you know, have passwords yes, and I stuff like the that? He's able to open up his computer the, and go through the, all her files. Right. And, like, the
0: hexadecimals, he was looking through everybody's computer looking yeah. for him. And Johansson had it on hers with, like, something goddess of evil or something, some movie. But, anyways, yeah, um, I thought the exact same thing. How did he get into everybody's, like, everybody's computers?
1: Does nobody password protect anything? He's just going through, he's like, I scoured through every file. And I'm like, okay, well, they might not have anything like sensitive on there. But, I mean, that's still people's personal property. I, right. I who's going to stop them? But how did you do it? How? You're a botanist. You're not a hacker. Um, and see, that's the thing,
0: too, though. So he's a botanist. In the book, he was also an engineer. They never made mention of that in this movie. Well, he's just a botanist, I, but the, all the technical science stuff he does that's not botany is engineering. He's got to have some right, exactly. He's got to have some sort of degree on how to do stuff like that.
1: And uh, I was just about to say that so th- they kind of allude to the fact that you know he's not just a botanist, maybe botany is his primary focus, and maybe that's why he was definitely brought on to the mission. But you know, he's it's obvious he's got a background in engineering he's doing um he's doing complicated math he's building right. um he's building a farm for i think to be a botanist you would have to have some sort of kind of engineering background Yeah, you know, so the simple fact that he's got to be able to build a farm on the middle of a inhabitable planet well nobody knew that he was going to build a farm on middle of an inhabitable planet yeah but just he T-G-Sandler. wouldn't know how to do it unless he had some sort of background to do it. Well, that's true, too. Right. So they allude to it without ever saying it. But the main driving plot point for his character in the movie is that he is a botanist. He understands plants. He was and studying like the soil Nobody there. Knows what the hell he has, he has Oh, God. I haven't. I haven't studied hexadecimals since um, my first year in the Navy. And I barely I remember. I never heard of
0: them until this movie.
1: Oh, it's yeah, it's a thing, and I barely remember. Oh yeah, yeah, but (laughs) it—it actually, really, Scott said
0: that was one of the hardest things to explain to the audience at first was hexadecimals. How he was, yeah, how he was because
1: unless you're unless you're in those fields, you're not you're not going to know about those types of things. So I get it, which I get it. Number means a letter, and for the most part, right? Yeah, and that's how you just and that's how you decipher messages and stuff like that. So. Yeah. You should actually look into it. It's a it's kinda of fascinating. Um where the hell were we? We were talking uh, about Oh, we were talking about oh when I said the line, you know, disco sucks and then we got onto our little tangent. Oh thing. yeah 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 yeah. So, maybe he's got a background too on how to override, uh, or maybe they have a NASA protocol that you, for security purposes, you can't have passwords on computers and stuff like that. Uh, In emergencies, you need to be able to access uh, all bits of Of technology at your hand, disposal, and stuff like that. So, I don't know. But those are plot points that I guess aren't necessary to describe.
0: Right. So,
1: Uh, any other lines? Maybe privacy wasn't. This is
0: 2035, so maybe privacy wasn't as big of an issue as it is now. You know,
1: true, true. I mean, when you're talking about messages and stuff like that, you're do, they they happen in data dump So, like a primary example, there is when they're on the Hermes, and um, they got a bunch of messages that came in. Well, uh, Alex couldn't open up his message supposedly from his wife, and uh, so Kate Mara jo- Johannes. Uh, Kay Mara's character, Johansson. Johansson, thank you, was able to pull it up on her computer or on her screen there in the gym real quick, access the message, everything like that. So maybe there are no security protocols at all when it comes to technology because secrets could lead to bad things happening. I don't know. Right. Here we are just grasping yeah, he at straws knows. here. Uh, any other quotable lines that you want to make mention of?
0: Uh, the other one that I, other one that I liked was after they found out that Watney was alive and uh, um, Jeff Daniels' character. Why did I forget his name? Teddy. Jeff Daniels' character. Is Teddy, yeah. Teddy, he's up at the podium uh, with the reporters. And the oh. reporter <laughs> says, are you going to resign? He just looks at him with like, an annoyed look on his face. No. no. <laughs> I,
1: that, was a, that, that was a good scene. Uh, I can appreciate the humor behind that one because that – that was basically a, like a press conference that was just being held strictly for the reporters, but you, they knew they weren't going to get any information. His answers: We're working on that, looking right, exactly, into that. Yeah. no. I mean, those are, are Popovich
0: type <laughs> answers, Belichick type <laughs> answers.
1: Hey, when you're when you're one of the greatest, you don't give away your secrets. <laughs> uh, what would you rate the plot of this movie? I gave it a nine. Same.
0: I, I like this movie a lot. I it's hard to give movies tens. Really because does. when you give it a ten, you're saying like it's one of the greatest movies of all time, basically, you know? Which I don't think this is one of the greatest movies of all time, but I love watching this movie and it's a fun movie to watch. So I give it a nine.
1: It is an absolutely phenomenal movie to watch. A lot of great uh humor behind it, a lot of science to geek over and stuff like that. And uh but I absolutely agree with you. How can you give a movie a perfect score when as much as we may love movies, uh you know there's no such thing as the perfect movie, I guess. Um uh, so giving it a 9 out what of 10 is do? almost like declaring it a perfect movie. Right. In my opinion because What did I give back to the future? I honestly don't remember. I don't write this stuff down. <laughs> I do. I'm looking right now. <laughs> I write this stuff down. Should keep a score sheet.
0: Right? Anyways, yeah.
1: So uh, I gave it a nine out of 10. I mean, there are certain things about it that I wish they would have done differently. Um, One of the things is, and this is going to just be me nitpicking, and I know people probably aren't going to agree with me, I really felt like they spent too much time chewing on the Mars scenery. So, like, on the times that he's sitting there, like in the rover, traveling from point A to point B and stuff like that, they really spent a lot of time marveling on what the scenery on mars is you know the little dirt devils and stuff like that um the rocky cliff sides and things and while it's beautiful beautiful scenery i'm just like okay we get it he's traveling on mars here can we get to the next plot point please
0: okay so i wondered this and apparently somebody else did because i read it somewhere else too how the heck did he know where he was going maps but what are your reference points well, so, if it's, you it's, remember... It's, it's when he
1: decided to open, nothing. If you remember when... You don't he, have GPS there.
0: Yes. You can't use a compass because there's no gravitational pull. There's
1: an entire sequence where he's sitting there plotting on a map his route. Right. And you just follow that, that route. But... You're, you're doing this, you have to do this the old-fashioned way. How did navigators back in the day traverse our oceans? They used star maps. They charted the stars. Okay. You you plot, and then people are creating well, maps as they're, they're doing these things.
0: Yeah, because apparently all the suits had telemetry on them, mm-hmm. so you could find one other person's suit. And I'm guessing that Ares might have had a telemetry on it, too, that he could go towards.
1: He, I I would agree with that, except for the fact that I believe that Ares had to be turned on. And at that point, the Ares that he was headed to was not like, wasn't not it, right? yeah, it wasn't active, so but he knew where it was. So, at the time that he started plotting his course, he already knew where that landing site was.
0: Well, I know, I get that from where but he was, and so he,
1: they have that a map would be so hard they, to navigate. It would be hard to navigate because you've only got this map that's taken from satellite imagery, it's not like or, or rovers that have gone before these. Exactly. Uh, teams. It's,
0: just, it's just everything looks the same, it's not like. There's a tree there, or there's a something over here. It's just vast desert.
1: You're just going to everywhere. you're going to do the best you can. So it's kind of like what uh, my job entails. So when you're driving a boat. Yes, you're able to see what's out there in front of you and stuff like that. But there are times where you don't know what's going to be happening. Uh, Heavy fog sets in. It's dark out and you can't see every little landmark and everything. You're relying on everything that's already happened before you to get from point A to point B. So you're relying on radars. You're relying on GPS. Now, again, like you said, he doesn't have GPS and stuff like that. He doesn't have radars mapping him actively right then and there. But what he has are satellite imagery. That has been taken and compiled to build the best map that he could possibly have, and they also allude to the fact that you know there are so many variables that could happen on this trip. They they said as long as nothing happens, he's on course to do what he needs to do. Given that he doesn't run into any issues or any problems, anything could have happened to that rover. He could have hit an unmarked cliff hole and, like, yeah, exactly. exactly so many things could have happened so anything that was going to happen during that traversing of the terrain could have uh, was going to be luck of the draw but he but he had to he had to give it a try but he had a general well, idea about. how to get from point A to point B and hope there were no obstacles in his way based off a map
0: well i guess also i didn't even think about this till right now he could still converse with nasa
1: Yes, so, so they could the have end guided of day, him they too. They could
0: see him, right? They could have seen him on satellite and said, "Okay, you're off track, or you need to head like a heading this way, or okay." I I just thought about that. Right yeah, they now. could
1: have been correcting his course. Well, in right. the realest time they could do, that what was sense. it 24, 24 minute delay between messages? Yeah, twelve right. minute one way, twelve minute back. So,
0: but anyways, like he was saying too, though, um, when he was driving the rover over to the Aries, they said that he took it out four hours before noon. And then the batteries had to charge for 13 hours after that.
1: Yeah.
0: And then he'd drive again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a long time for those batteries to charge.
1: That's why it was going to take him days to make that trek.
0: I think he said like 54 days. Something like something that. like that. Yeah. Which I also have another nitpick about that too. Okay. Um, so I, from what I've gathered, he was there... About a year, five to seven months. Okay. So like a year uh, and a half,
1: something like that,
0: yeah. Yeah, about a year and a half. So he takes a 54-day trip to the Aries. He gets there. He flies up. When they get him, they bring him on the Hermes. He takes his helmet off, and Michael Pena's character says, Oh, you got a little smell going on there. He goes, Well, yeah, I haven't showered in a year and a half. Yeah. Well, he had. He showered right before he got on the rover to go. It showed him getting out of the shower, and he the whole time he was in the Hab, he showered probably every day.
1: Interesting point.
0: So that that, that kind of bugged me. Why he'd tell him I haven't showered in a year and a half when it really only been like three months. Hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: That's an interesting point. And that bugged me the first time I ever watched it. Yeah. Anyway,
1: um, any other plot holes or mistakes
0: so uh before he took the journey on the rover to Ares, they had him drill the holes in the roof mm-hmm. and like take the the top part of the roof out mm-hmm. and then they built that big, huge bubble.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've watched this so many times and from what maybe I missed it every time, what the heck was the purpose of that? I honestly don't remember. I've watched it so many times that I've never heard them once say the purpose of him taking a big chunk of the roof out and putting this expandable bubble over it. I don't know if it just gave him more room. I don't know if he used it for luggage. I don't know what it was for, but he didn't take any luggage with him because there was nothing to take.
1: I think the primary concern was he needed to be able to take um, the solar panels with him, the batteries. Well, those were on the, the rover. Th- yeah, those were all
0: on the trailer behind him. Yeah, no, I'm
1: I'm just sorry naming off everything at the top oh. of my head. He had to take the water generator with him, stuff like that. I don't know. It it probably served some purpose, and one of well, the I'm pieces sure it of did. I just don't think that, they ever yeah. explained it. Yeah, because they did make a big deal about it. You know, drill start with drilling a big hole in the top of the rover. Okay, right. Um. Yeah, no, I have no idea, honestly. Um, going back to that shower scene, though, so now that you uh, reminded me that he actually did take a shower at least once while he was stranded on Mars, um, dude's walking around the Hab naked after he had hung up cameras everywhere for NASA to see what was going on inside the Hab. At that point, he probably just
0: doesn't care. It's been over a year. True, <laughs> but I
1: I don't know. Still.
0: I don't know. Uh, I don't. Maybe it's maybe just me. I love to do it. I don't know. Maybe he just had him on and I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? When he takes a shower, turns them off. Uh,
1: I, I, I felt bad though when his potato farm was destroyed. I felt yeah, bad for I the did dude. Too. I was That's like, tough. he worked so hard on that. I hope he writes a book on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if there was anything that you would. Ch- well, the ham. What? The ham
0: was only supposed to last. I mean, it was only made to last 30 days. Yeah, and he made it
1: last and he almost in over a year. Yeah. And in all technicality, it wasn't destroyed when uh, when the airlock blew off. He just had to seal yeah. that area, but the rest of the hab remained intact. He just lost right. everything inside and of it. Like they talked about, too, they said they lost the bacteria and everything, so he wouldn't be able to replicate yeah. what he did.
0: So when he sealed off that area, and he sealed off that area with a big, huge tarp, mm-hmm. taped it, and used tie straps to hold it down. Mm-hmm. And then that big storm came through, and he's counting the, the potatoes, and you can just see him like so worried that that tarp's gonna rip. That tarp's gonna rip. You can just see it on his face. That tarp's gonna rip.
1: Yeah, because I it's mean, if it rips, game over.
0: He's done. Yeah. yeah,
1: dead within a minute. So,
0: yep. Poor guy. From what I read, your body can last one minute, up to one minute. Yeah, then before you die. They
1: talk about that too in the movies. That's one of the big questions that's asked. Yeah. as the crew is making their final. Um,
0: as they're making their way to the areas, yeah. Yeah. Uh, In fact, I'm actually watching the scene. It just the hat just blew up. Oh, nice! <laughs> Crazy. I just have to. It's on right now.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. They they talk about that. It's like how long can he last out there? Just a minute, and so that's why they you know they left him it's for a dead. a good think
0: he had that duct tape on him too? Oh hell yeah! If he didn't have that duct tape. He would have died because his his helmet broke.
1: If there was anything that you could change about this movie, what would it be? I don't think I would. I don't think I would either. I actually no. there's, there is one thing and that's only because I like a good, I like a good story to be wrapped up for me. So when the crew is sitting there weighing all the options about whether or not they should go back for Mark or just continue on their course home, you know, the repercussions of their decisions, you know, they're talking about court martials, not being ever allowed to fly in space again, all those possibilities and stuff like that. We kinda get visual representations as to what happens afterwards. I mean, obviously I'm guessing they didn't get court-martialed because Jessica Chastain seems they, happy with right, what she's doing. Home,
0: so and Michael Pena doing Michael another
1: that. Ares mission. So he's going back into space. Yeah. Uh you know, Sebastian Stan and Kate Mara have a baby. So the they we got visual wrap-ups, but you know, I kinda I, I I just, I wanted to hear the conversation. I want to, yeah, I want to hear the conversation. I want to know what happened afterwards with everybody. Like what, where did they move on to when they got home? What kind of, what kind, what did they have to deal with when they got home? You know, all the questioning, all the debriefing and stuff like that. But I, I understand that's not, that's that none of that is important to the story whatsoever. Right. So it would have made unnecessary video footage, but I, I'm that guy. I just I like to I like to know that how things wrapped up.
0: That would have taken down the tone of the movie.
1: Oh no, I get it. I get it. That's why. That's why. When I say I wouldn't change anything, but there is one thing I wish I could have seen. I'm not saying they needed to do it, but I, maybe the book explains it. Maybe I should just read the book. I have no idea.
0: Well, no. I mean, at that at that time, you bring him home. Everybody's happy. You're seeing how ish how life is for them. They're doing the next Aries Aries mission, so yeah. So you're obviously them all everything's moving and, forward. Yeah. but should... every, every, everybody and, and it's a happy tone. So if you would have seen them come back, get debriefed, it would have prolonged. it. This movie's already two and a half hours long almost.
1: I know. I'm not and saying you, my idea of it prolong everything.
0: It, I know. I'm just saying it would it would have brought the whole tone of the ending of the movie down. Yeah.
1: Uh, just I, I get stuck in the details. Maybe that's why I'm not a screenwriter. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, uh, miscellaneous talking points. Is there anything else about this movie that uh, we need to highlight for our listeners?
0: Um, Let's see. So, apparently, there's some controversy at the Golden Globes over this movie. Because it was uh, listed as a comedy or musical.
1: A comedy or musical?
0: Yeah. And it won. Well, it's Because, from what I've heard right from what i've heard the drama uh category was so packed with movies that year they decided to list list this as a comedy or musical and judd apatow was is and apparently they made a rule after this that uh if there's more dramatic tones in a movie and it's not a clear-cut comedy
1: it has to be in a in the drama category well what did Judd have up in the comedy?
0: Uh, what did he have? Hold on, I can tell you. Let me look that up. It's probably some dumbass uh, that was movie like that doesn't matter.
1: You know, he's not the greatest filmmaker in the world. I, I guess I'd be
0: Well, no, he's got funny movies, though. I I, I know he understands that.
1: <laughs> oh, it was up against the big short. And that was Judd Apatow's film.
0: He had two films then. Because Trainwreck also was his movie, too. Oh. But, that's not the, but the. the thing on the other side, though, was the drama movies That he had had to go up against would have been The Revenant, Carol, Mad Max, Room, and Spotlight. Which The Revenant won. And then The Martian won for Best Musical Comedy. Which has no music in it besides ABBA. (laughs) (laughs) And, And a little comedy. This is a drama. By every account, this is a drama. Yes, it is.
1: I absolutely agree
0: should And so they had. They changed the rules the next year, that it had to be a clear-cut comedy to be in the comedy musical section.
1: Yeah, that was the year I was hoping Mad Max was going to run away with every award that it was nominated for.
0: I guess I still need it. Because I watched it once and I didn't like it.
1: Didn't Spotlight end up winning the Best Motion Picture Oscar that year? Well, I don't know about the Oscars. Yes, it did. Not it that did The Revenant did. The, no, it won it Best did? Motion Picture.
0: Oh. Oh, so, Leonardo won the Best Actor though for Revenant. Yes.
1: But anyway, uh, so, okay, I can understand why Judd Apatow would be upset about that. Uh, the Big Short was uh, actually a semi-decent movie.
0: And Matt, Matt Damon won Best Actor for a musical or comedy.
1: Yeah, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really messed up. That is a little messed up, but hey, you know what? It's just an award.
0: Oh no, I get that, but for a lot of these
1: actors, I know it's you know it's important. It's part of the prestige. It's something they put on their resume and all that fun stuff. I won this. Uh, I mean, but that's
0: it's the same thing too, though. Would Matt Damon have won going up against Leonardo DiCaprio
1: in the Revenant? No, exactly. I'm. I say that not because I think I don't, Leonardo DiCa- got- I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio deserved it for the Revenant either. No, oh, I don't think he
0: did either. Um, if he, if he he should have won it for it was Cindy Gilbert Greg when he was a kid. Yeah,
1: exactly. There there are certain... I really feel like at this point, and I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, I don't like Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I've never they gave him yet. the Oscar for The Revenant just to finally shut him up. <laughs> I really feel like it was a political now, There's move.
0: a couple of movies like... Wall Street, he was really good at Wall Street. He probably should have won the Oscar for
1: that too. I, he probably should have won the Oscar for that. What he should have though, what they didn't push hard enough for it is he should have been nominated for and won best supporting actor for Django Unchained. His one of his finest yeah. performances of his career. He was good in that. But no. No. Let's overlook that and let's give him the Oscar for their evident. Tom Hardy was better in The Revenant. Yeah, I've only watched it once. I've only watched it once and that was enough for me.
0: And they they did this they did the Star Wars thing in it and where they where he got inside the bear instead of the Tauntaun. It yeah. <laughs> is totally copy
1: Star Wars right here. Uh but uh, anyway, I digress. Um that and that's the problem with awards and these award shows and stuff like that. There's always gonna be a controv that one I didn't realize. I, I guess I never really thought about it. I don't know how
0: it. that would have happened though. I don't know how Ridley Scott Said, hey, let's, no, that's the studio. Comedy, that's the studio. Know?
1: I think the studio well, I guess, okay, screwed would that studio up. Which were they were trying, they were they wanted to be a part of an award season and they were going up against some really heavy hitters right. in the drama. So I think that's really messed up that they stole they basically stole an award up, yeah. from true comedies. So, yeah, because this isn't a comedy, yeah,
0: it's got some comedic features in it, but this is by all accounts a drama because it had
1: it gone up against the other movies. It, it, it's not. It doesn't say anything bad about this movie, but it would not have done well at all against those other movies. So, yeah, that's kind of messed up. That is messed up. I didn't realize the controversy behind that. I really not put a lot of thought into it. So, <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> um, Anywho, so the Mars exterior scenes were actually shot in Wadi Rum, Jordan, because they have red colored desert.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I it was I was cool. wondering about. I was kind that. of wondering how they did that. Yeah, too. yeah. I thought maybe that was just like they filmed it in the desert and then kind of CGI'd everything to look orange or something like that. But I didn't actually go yeah, look it up where they yeah, filmed it. Jordan has a has an actual red color desert. That's pretty. Oh, cool. uh,
0: let's see. Matt film Matt Damon filmed all his solo scenes in five weeks, and. I-
1: all I, got. I have one here about Donald Glover so uh, in the scene where we first meet him as Rich Purnell and he slips and falls um, oh,
0: yeah, I did read this
1: uh, and he uh, says I need I need more coffee apparently he actually did slip and fall but did not break character and stuff like that and they decided to keep it in the movie
0: yeah, that's always great when I read stuff like that all the time. I go like, oh, that's pretty cool so Uh, Actually, watching the movie last night when he was growing the potatoes, I was curious and I looked it up. It takes 70 to 120 days to grow potatoes. Hmm. But of course, that's on Earth. So I don't know if the... I would assume it'd be the same because it isn't, for the most part, dirt, dirt. I don't know. Well, I guess that's more sand, so...
1: Oh, here's something about um, what we were talking about earlier when it comes to uh, Mark and his uh, degrees. So in the book, he has master's degrees in botany and mechanical engineering. But in the movie, he's a doctor of botany. He has a PhD in botany, but no engineering background. But it's implied that he has training in engineering based off of what he does throughout the movie. Right. Gotcha.
0: Well, so that also brings up the question, if anybody else would
1: have been left behind would they have
0: survived?
1: I say no. And the only reason, it's just convenient that he was a botanist and he was the one yeah, who got left. He just left behind. to be a
0: botanist. He was one, yeah.
1: Because um, if uh, any of the other ones, maybe the chemist would have stood a chance. I don't know. Alex, the chemist, would have stood a chance. Yeah. Uh, but uh, any of the rest of them, they would have stretched out their food for as long as they possibly could, trying to establish. They would have been smart enough to figure out how to establish connections uh, with. Uh, NASA and stuff like that. So none of that would have changed. And maybe a
0: botanist could have, well, right. So at that point, maybe a botanist would have come on and say, hey, this is how you grow food.
1: Exactly. I don't know. It, it could have gone either way. so But I think the chances of their survival are sh- severely reduced just from the simple fact that they don't know how, they wouldn't readily know, or we assume they readily wouldn't know how to create their own food in what is supposed right. to be an uninhabitable, no growth planet. So yeah. I think that increases his chances. So if he wasn't a botanist, he probably wouldn't have lasted as long or, you know, he probably would have lasted long enough to establish that, hey, I'm alive, stuff like that, and maybe make it to a supply ship. Like drop off.
0: But he also started growing that. Like Like I said, it took, what, 70 to 120 days to grow potatoes. So but
1: he, ha- I mean, he had a ton of food because, he, you know, he had enough and, food for six people.
0: And he got a head start on it, too, though, because he was a botanist. He did all that before he ever established a connection with
1: NASA. Yeah, so I mean, he he, I think he did it right, and I think it was very accurately uh, depicted throughout the film. He established what he needed so, to do to survive, and then he established what he needed to do to get off the planet.
0: So he was there a year and a half, mm-hmm. and he said at the beginning of the movie, they brought enough food for six people. There was they're supposed to be the thirty-one days. They brought enough uh, food for six people. They doubled it for redundancy of, I think they said, six, uh, 80, oh, 68 days worth mm-hmm. for six people.
1: That's a lot. Which would have got
0: him through, I think, I think he said, soul 350 or something like that.
1: And if he would have so ra- he rationed time. it properly, like right. even rationed every right. meal, I'm, I'm, he could have right, doubled I'm assuming that. assuming that's
0: three meals a day. Right, I'm assuming that's three meals a day. So just take that down to two meals a day. You're,
1: and he could have made it to a supply
0: ship. 300,
1: right. So. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff, no matter who got left behind, there would be a lot of things working in your favor, but your your knowledge in certain areas definitely is a step towards your survival rate. Yeah. And I think he had the highest chance of survival out of all of them. And he did. Yep. And it, 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 like I said earlier, mm-hmm. it's perfectly depicted he, he did exactly what he needed to to survive, and then he did exactly what he needed to to get off the planet. He knew what his priorities were. He didn't start coming up with a plan to get off the planet. He came up with the plan of, what do I need to do to keep myself alive long enough to get off this planet? And that's just that's a testament to—and that's, that's why I like that closing speech he's doing at the astronaut recruiting meeting. He's talking about, yeah. you know, at any point, did I think I was going to die? yes. And these are the thoughts you need to have. And then I'm sure he dove right into And But here's what you need to do. You have those thoughts. You overcome them. And this is what you do. And he's going to be the obviously he'll be the per, best person to teach it for the rest of time. Because pro, unless something else catastrophic happens, he'll probably be the only person to ever go through such a thing. Right. So That's all I have. How
0: did you not lose your mind at that point? Oh, I would have lost a it a half long by yourself, time. isolation. Yeah. Seriously,
1: I can't, As much as we always say, "Oh man, I just wish I was by myself." No, that amount of time by myself, I would have been cuckoo for cocoa puffs by the time if somebody found me alive. Yeah, yeah.
0: I haven't left my house in a day and a half right now, and I just kind of want to go do something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, luckily, I, yeah, my I got to leave my house and see people. So, well, that's all I have. On the Martian. I think that's all I have too. Yeah. Awesome. This
0: movie here we actually probably talked more about the actual movie <laughs> than, than anything, anything else. <laughs> of all the movies we've ever done.
1: And we did it in a pretty decent time too so I'm proud of us there. Um, this is it guys. 2020 season is over. We have talked about a lot of amazing movies uh, so far this year and next year I've got a bunch of fun stuff planned including a little reformatting of the show so I'm excited about that. But, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to all the episodes, Uh, joining me and Robert and all of my guests as we uh, talk about these movies that have impacted our lives or influenced our love for other movies. This has been such a great adventure and I can't wait to continue this adventure into next year. But now the time has come to go ahead and just call it a day, call it a year, going to go on a little hiatus. And we'll come back in 2021, and we are going to launch with a very fun movie. I'm excited to... Should we go ahead and tell everybody what we're going to be talking about, or should we just let them play the guessing game? So, we launched our 2020 season. Our inaugural episode was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Great episode. We've referenced it several times throughout the year. We've never continued the conversation. So, we decided that for our opener of 2021... We are going to continue that conversation, and we're going to dive into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number two, The Secret of the Ooze. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, ret- return to the Shredder. Super Shredder. Um, super Shredder. Uh, <laughs> um, and and Razai. And Vanilla Ice, back at the height of his day. So... I'm excited for that. I'm excited for everything that's going to be following that. And you're going to hear a lot of familiar voices in the next season as well. But I also have some new voices planned. So stay tuned for all of that. Enjoy the holidays, guys. Be safe. Um, Here's a little bit of news. The theaters are dying. Let's just go ahead and accept that fact. They're probably never going to make the recovery. And they're never going to be what we all grew up with. But... Some exciting news. Warner Brothers did announce that their entire 2021 release schedule is going to be released on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max. I did see that. That's pretty cool. You're in luck because there's a lot of really great movies coming out in 2021 from Warner Brothers. And you will be able to see them on HBO Max. And so you can still have that new release experience. Unfortunately, with just without the theater. And I have a feeling other studios are going to follow suit as well. So stay tuned for all those announcements and stuff like that. Be keeping an eye out, but be safe, be happy, sit on that couch, watch some movies, and we will be back in January of 2021. Robert. Happy new year. Happy new year. Robert, thank you for joining us. 2021, 2021. We will get there guys. Get rid of this year. <laughs> and that's all sure. Yeah, right. Definitely. It's been fun. Always fun. Yes. And, uh, I have nothing else to say. I'm sure I was going to say something really awesome, but you know what? Let's just go ahead and wrap it up here. So guys, that is how we do. See you in the new year.